Today's episode of the Hawani Show contains a lot of language that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ariel Hawani's MMA Show! in your life on this Wednesday, October 7, 2020. Hello again, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Welcome back to a brand new edition of the show. And I love today's show. We've got, once again, a very eclectic mix of guests. We got some big names. We got some news to get to. We got a lot going on today. Later in the program, we're going to be talking to a man named Gary V. That's his sort of nickname, if you will. Real name, Gary Vaynerchuk. You may be familiar with him. He's a very big deal online. He's got something like 8.2 million Instagram followers, a ton on Twitter as well. He's a a self-made man, an entrepreneur, a renaissance man, a guru, a marketing genius, if you will, has his hands all over the place in the world of business and marketing, um, sports as well. And he's also the founder and chairman of Vayner Sports. And Vayner Sports has recently gotten into the mixed martial arts business. They previously represented football players, baseball players, esports players. Now they're in the MMA business and they're representing the likes of Stipe Miocic, Tony Ferguson, Corey Sanhagen, who, of course, fights this weekend against Marlon Rice in a very important fight in the Bantamweight division. Chris Weidman, Anthony Smith, they're players. They rep around 25 fighters right now. And so I wanted to talk to Gary Vee about why he's getting into the MMA business, what interested him in it all, and, and and where he sees the sport going. So we'll talk to Gary V later in the program. We'll also talk to Holly Holm, fresh off probably her most impressive performance. Forget probably, the most impressive performance of her UFC career since her win over Ronda Rousey back in November of 2015. I feel very comfortable in saying that. That was an incredible win over Irene Aldana. She's about to turn 39. People have been talking about her retiring being, you know, pastor prime, all that stuff. Well, not on Saturday. And dare I say, she's the second best bantamweight and featherweight in the UFC. So we'll talk to Holly Holm about the win on Fight Island. But first, first we talk to El Kakui, Tony Ferguson. Remember, Tony Ferguson was supposed to fight at UFC 254. He was supposed to fight Dustin Poirier. It fell through. Then there was some talk of him fighting Michael Chandler. And well, that fell through as well. Tony Ferguson is frustrated. Tony Ferguson has a lot to get off his chest. Tony Ferguson wants to be active, wants to be respected, wants to fight, wants to get back into the title picture. Tony Ferguson is one of the most interesting fighters in this sport. He doesn't do a lot of media, but he spoke to us. Enjoy. All right, let us kick things off today with one of the most popular and best fighters in the UFC, a man who needs no introduction, the one and only El Kakui, Tony Ferguson, kind enough to join us. Tony, how are you? Good to talk to hey, you again. Hey, you do that better than Bruce Buffer, bro. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the enthusiasm, my man. Uh, it's always great to talk to you, Tony. And how about this? We're actually talking to you, I believe, for the first time on a Tuesday, Tony. I want to know, do you actually celebrate <laughs> Tiramisu Tuesday? Is this a thing that you guys celebrate at home? I, no, man. I'm telling you, it's so hard to pass by the freeze, man. I'm telling you, I was just saying, like, it, I have to go straight to the diet to remember what, why I'm in this sport and remember, like, the basic stuff. So the Tiramisu Tuesdays is still a joke. It's still a poke and a jab at Mr. Fathead. So he's got to remember that I'm still there, and so does Mr. Gaethje. Uh, these two dudes, they think that obviously when they're done competing right there, they're going to go fight GSP or some shit. But without them or me putting that idea out there, these guys would be no fucking, no, no better else but then to fight anybody at the 155 pound division. Now, for myself, check this out, Ariel. That okay. loss, it took me a minute to actually like accept the fact that I hate fucking losing. All right. I saved my one time a day. I'm like, yeah, you know what? This one time, we'll, we'll give this one day. Yeah, I give myself a day, but I was so so determined on my healing to get back on the map that something happened that I cleared like my channels, bro. Like I needed like all, not needed it, but all of the stuff that happened, like the pandemic and then having to step up with Justin to get this shit going on and all the stuff, man, it cleared like everything on that shit list and my training and rehabilitate. Everything has been just fucking phenomenal since then, dude. 
But I know before we even start the interview, that's just what I wanted to say. So that's why I always say I hope everybody out there, you know, and hope you two are feeling good, man. Because even if you're down, like I said, you know, today marks the anniversary from the Khabib and uh, McGregor fight, right? Right. And I said that I did that same speech, man. I was like, you know, I was like, if you're fucking low, man, you know, pick your ass up. You dust yourself off and you get back in the game. And here we are, man. We're, we're, we're road to gold. We're back. We're focused. And, you know, the only thing that's different is my academy and it's looking better and better, baby. And I'm excited for it. I'm glad to hear that. And I'm glad to hear that you're in a good spot. And so let us, let us get right into it. I think a lot of us thought that we were going to be getting ready to see you fight on October 24th on the Habib Gaethje card in a tremendous fight, a Coleman event fight with title implications against Dustin Poirier. From your perspective, Tony, why aren't you fighting on October 24th? Well, I'm going to be real. I don't know what their plans were before or after, but I was already ready. I was already counting on it. I mean, seriously, just planned around. I'm not much of a planner, so I was already kind of going ahead of it. But then Dana wanted to speak for me. He wanted to go out there and kind of be like, yeah, Tony's going to take this fight. Like, bro, we're not friends. I never said we were friends. It's just business, right? Like, I'm there when you need me, and then, you know, obviously when you don't, and then, no, no fuck, man. No, seriously, man, I'm a contractor. I do my thing. I love you, fam, and I love UFC and stuff like that, but I'm not just a piece of meat out there, you know what I mean? And it's not about, like, knowing your value and everything else like that. Like, I'm ready to step up to the plate. Dustin was there, you know what I mean? Dustin Abu Dhabi. I mean, shit, UFC kept delaying, telling us the fight was confirmed. But, <laughs> but it was in, like, a minute they asked, and I'm, I'm still training for Justin or Dustin from the Chandler thing. Now you're going to bring in a new dude who I have no fucking clue is. This dude, you know, not trying to bullshit. Marketing standpoint, dude has less than 100 count, like K on Twitter. You're going to try to get more notoriety by throwing him against me and throwing him on the Khabib card. I get that. But don't pay the fucker more than us. He has zero time in the UFC. I don't even know about roids and all that stuff or whatever. I don't, I don't get in that kind of shit with everybody. I got to the point, man, where I'm like, you know what? I want to fight. Chandler, you want to welcome, you want to do this shit? Yeah, let's make it right. Let's put it on paper. UFC, let's make the money right. Let's make this shit interesting. I draw pay-per-view buys, Ariel. They wanted value. I've created value. Here I am now. You want to, everybody wants me to fucking fight Khabib, right? Yeah, but I got to earn my right back. Okay, cool. Who's it going to be? Dustin or is it going to be Chandler? I don't give a fuck. I said it was a tournament. Now you're adding in people. All right, cool. Here we go again. Today marks the celebration, right? Yeah, it could be McGregor. Fuck them. That shit wouldn't have happened unless they stripped my belt. So fuck you. Pay me. Instead of this fucking clown. Like Chandler, like I said, I got nothing against you. And Dustin, I got nothing against you. But I ain't trying to help nobody anymore. So Justin Gaethje, you're fucking welcome. You have a belt, son. But <laughs> I guarantee you, you know what? I'm going to tell you, go get my belt. So that I ask him to get fucking whipped. I'm coming for it. So both you and fucking fathead. This is a message for both of you fucking knuckleheads. My mat, my fucking time. When they came to you uh, about the Poirier fight that, you know, it maybe wasn't going to happen. Is it true, Tony, that you said, you know, because you tweeted, hey, pay the guy like that you were going to almost be in unison with him and, and, and you weren't interested in fighting someone else. You wanted to fight Poirier because you thought that was the biggest fight. And you also wanted him to get paid as well. Is that accurate? Fuck no. Look at the rankings, man. The dude wanted to be ranked higher than me anyway, for that's one. Exhibit A. Let's go exhibit B. Fuck no. Come on, dude. Seriously. It should have been it should have been Dustin fighting this and that, stepping up for him for nothing. No, it's getting a fight hype and let's fucking do this shit. Right? If there's hype, then you gotta build a fight around it. If there's no fight, then no no hype. I'm not trying to fuck this shit. I got a bunch of shit going on, dude. I'm dealing with a bunch of builders and contractors. I'm building up my own shit here. I got students that are like teaching UFC people now. You get it? I'm getting older, Ariel, but look, I'm getting wiser and I'm getting smarter. And on my efficiency, I still haven't peaked in my physical, emotional, or I do it anything. I'm so, I'm so fucking busy that I love it that not just myself, but everybody around me is growing. It's not just me. And it's, and it's been a second since I, I have had a team around me that I've been building. And I'm, I'm very enthusiastic, man. Life is good, especially in this time of COVID time, right? So when you got a, a situation like when Dana's like, I don't chase anybody. And this motherfucker sending me pictures of Trump saying to him, like, hey, we got to get sports back on. I get it, dude. This is special service, right? Let's go, bitch. Hurrah, motherfuckers. Let's go. It's COVID times. Who the fuck is stepping up for UFC? Myself. Let's fucking go, man. Like, seriously, I'm always gung-ho. Like, they know I'm ready to fight, but they always taught me, right? It's got to be on the fucking numbers. It's got to make sense. 
Look at they taught me that shit, man. It's different now. So look at I'm gonna be real aerial. When everybody needed me for the COVID time, right? And everything, but so you're only as good as your last fight, Ariel. People don't give a shit about you. Not in this sport. They say they do, the fans and everything else like that. But it's only really the ones that are die hardcore, man, when you're fucking knee deep in shit, when you're trying to pick yourself up. And that's your close circle, that's your inner circle. I had to make mine tighter. I had to bring mine closer and think about like other things in the places that were open. I had to defrag and make room for more. It's a different level, Ariel. Like, nobody's ready for it. There's only a couple of people that understand this game, and they're out there. And it's just, it's not, it's not, it's not like about preparing for fights or taking them short notice or fucking putting weight loss videos out there on HBO and bitching and whining about it when you haven't been doing it your whole fucking life. You don't see a bunch of wrestlers crying and whining and bitching about it and putting shit out there like that. Fuck no. Okay, you like the media? How about you put something out there, a solution for it? And I hate to touch base on that, but it's been a minute since I've talked. So, I mean, like, I'm going to be real. That's what I'm saying. I like to stay busy. You got K.O. Sonnen that's got that wrestling underground. Hey, nothing against uh, Jordan Burroughs, but, hey, you know what I mean? Love to shake his hand and be able to go a match. I mean, something like that. If the UFC can't keep me in competition long enough, why are you trying to stall me out? I ain't saying let me go, but motherfucker, let's get a fight. Hmm. Did, they, did they offer you Chandler? Well, I guess you could say that. I mean, shit, dude. It was like so fucking last minute. Like, look, then it's like, we went quiet on you. All right, well, you call me, right? And I forwarded you the fucking voicemail. Look, Ariel, I don't do Joe Rogan podcasts, and I don't fucking pick up Dana's phone calls. How come? I might be the only motherfucker. I might be just that type of guy because I'm too busy fucking working or trying to make my life better from the shit that I had to go through. So part of me, fuck everybody else, you know what? Split second, let me take care of my own shit. Let me take care of my own people and let everybody else play their fucking cards, right? And get into the hype and then me be real. And then when everybody needs me, right, there you are. Cool. I get it. Not anymore, man. Like, I love fighting, but competition is what I like to do. I just open my doors to other athletics. I have a major league baseball player in here now. I'm a performance trainer, dude. I ain't no fucking coach. I ain't old. I'm a trainer. I'm a fighter. I'm an entrepreneur. I built my shit from the ground up. Started at the mail room from the Ultimate Fighter and worked my ass up here to a title belt. And further, a fight night award, right? And so on and so forth, man. How, how greedy can a man be and keep on going for four fucking more belts and like consecutive runs and shit? Keep me busy. You know what I mean? It's like, fuck, let's go, man. I like to fight. If I don't, I got to bump up to 170. You know, I hear uh, Nick Diaz is looking for a competition. You know, Battle for California, which is cool, no disrespect. But I'm a, I'm a 170 pounder, Ariel. UFC told me, they're like, you're, you know, you're kind of small. And I'm like, well, fuck, I have a big frame. All I was eating was just like once a day, man, because I was barely making ends fucking meat. I got the frame for like a 200, 205 pounder. There's a lot of discipline that I've been addish, uh, adding into this stuff. And no matter who they're going to throw at our plate, Ariel, and you've been always kind of like a Team Ferguson player, and I get that. And then we've always had our things, but I'm not like a, a big hater on politics and everybody, but I, I roll with you from like the first time you started and I'm still with you, even from blocks and unblocks. I but you know, and, and yeah, but you know, and I know, right. There's a lot of bullshit in this game, but I'm one of the guys that don't play into it. I'm ready for five rounds. I hear that they're needing a main event, right? What date is it? I forget. There's one in November and then there's one in December. Yeah. 20, uh, November Boom. 21st and December 12th. Yeah. You know, my, my agent said we fi- we're fine on the fight, but we want to discuss pay because of the bonus change. You know, I always told the UFC I was in, you know, I'm good with the fights. So let's make it in. Let's make it happen. I'm not bullshitting. Let's, let's get this right. You got the rankings. You know, I can you know, say all the stuff about the rankings, this and rankings, that. UFC going to do what they're going to do. I don't care anymore. But like I said, it's a, if it's a round robin, we got to fight each other. That's cool, man. What rank am I? I forget, man. You know what I mean? I forget how many wins and losses, losses I know. I forget how many, you know what I mean? The other shit don't matter to me anymore. I'm at that point, Ariel. If they called you tomorrow and said, all right, we need you for the main event November 21st, who do you want to fight? Like, what's your ideal scenario? What's your answer? Um, I'll be real. I think Chandler should get an intro fight to somebody else instead of just me. You can't call me a gatekeeper because that's obviously not what I am. So, I mean, like, being real, I'm still up there in the champion leagues. I mean, like, one uppercut area from that last Gaethje fight. I mean, I can't say anything after it, but I didn't chain it up. You know, my combo, everyone wants to know, 632. Boom, boom, boom. 
the head kick. That dude would have been done. It was different, man. But this is – I had a couple talks with some, uh, some of my military friends, and it's either me or them. It was different, man. But I got to go home with my family, so I'm training fucking hard. So who would you pick? Shit, Khabib. Let's go. Right. You know what I mean? Like, hey, the fans want to see it. I'm not trying to hype anything. Oh, I just – it's comp- competition. Nothing against him. Nothing personal. Like how Izzy and fucking John Jones keep going back and forth like a bunch of fucking females. <laughs> Look at a bunch of bitches, dude. Look at seriously, get back to training. My one coach, Billy, was the smartest dude. He told me, hey, stay off of social media. Smart motherfucker. Can I ask you, how do you feel about the fact that Chandler is the backup fighter for the title fight? I don't give a fuck. I've been backup fighters forever. You ever prepared for like three fighters? I've had to deal with so many fights. So whatever. You don't like it's a big deal. Like, I, I don't give a shit, dude. It's kind of like playing Tekken. It's like playing a video game, right? And you play, like, who are you going to pick? Who are you going to pick? Who's your favorite character? Fuck it, random. Because you, you know what you can do, what you're capable of, bro. You just boom, boom, boom. Confidence. I remember when we talked a few months ago, you said you were interested in the Poirier fight, so I wasn't surprised that they were trying to make it. But now it, it sounds like, well, based on social media, you know, Connor is, Connor McGregor is trying to get the Poirier fight or at least trying to make something happen with Poirier, and there might be some interest there. How do you feel about it? fluff. That dude's all fluff, man. Like, I'm going to be real. How are you going to shave your head after I shave my head? <laughs> what the fuck? Vote for Pedro, bitch. Like, you know what I mean? Fuck him. Seriously, dude. He's hot. You got an asshole. Look, at, I'm going to start copying his shit. I'm going to start taking pictures and selfies of myself. I'm going to start mocking him and everything. I gotta, you know what I mean? It's funny how the game works. But it's like how you make fun of it. And these guys are so fucking intelligent, right? But they're so their ego gets the best out of them. If they learn how to make fun of them and they make fun of themselves... Maybe more people would like them. I'm not about that game. I don't, I'm not like for everybody, obviously. But it's just being able to put yourself out there, right? And look at during these times, everybody's starting to dance and everybody's starting to do this shit. That's awesome. So great. So amazing, bro. You know what I mean? Like, this, this is a time for us. Like, it's just it's different. But now, like I said, it's like when, when I went through that battle from the, from the whatever, the very first thing over at Jacksonville, right? The very first fights. Mm-hmm. In, the 70, in the 72 hours that it took between my management and the UFC, and the consistent communication that it took from canceled places, leaked information, like all the bullshit, right? All the bullshit. 72 hours felt like about three, four months. It was like I was in a fucking time chamber. You, like, and then we, boom, focused something else. And then it was like another thing fell out. It was like, fuck. You know, I had you know, good phone, phone calls with the brass. And you want to call them the brass, but like Hunter, Sean, and, and Dana. I don't call them uncle, brother, and other first name basis. Like these guys are cool. We need each other during this time. It's different. Like beyond business, like nobody understands it. I understand it. You know what I mean? But that's that was a hard thing, man. It's carrying like the world on your fucking back. How are you gonna do that? It took a big ass team to do that. We stuck together. We made shit happen. Now we got paper fans in the fucking seats. <laughs> So correct me if I'm wrong, Tony, because I just want to make sure I get it right. Is there a part of you that feels like you stepped up when, you know, there were no fights going on? The first show was a big deal for the sport and for the company. And now here you're, you're hearing things like, oh, it doesn't want to fight. I'm not going to chase. You're supposed to fight on this big show. Other people are getting, you know, potential title fights, replacement, and, and you don't have anything booked. Here you are, you know, five plus months later. Do you, do you feel a bit slighted? That's, that's the vibe I'm getting. I just want to make sure that I'm reading it correctly. Well, you got to remember you didn't read Dana right because he never said I didn't want to fight. You said Dustin, right? No, like, I'm going to be real. It didn't matter. But Dana never said that I didn't want to fight. He said they were silent on us. Yeah. So his verbiage was different. What does that mean? I don't know. You tell me. Did you go silent on him? Silent? I told you I forwarded him the voicemail. <laughs> well, did he talk to your management? I was too busy skating, bro. With my cousin. <laughs> I, I saw that. Real. Like, exactly. Yeah, I was. I was in an Uber ride back to the fucking to the academy. Like, I'm gonna be real. Like, I, there was 72 hours, bro, when I would answer my phone call and be in communication. Like, fuck yeah, bro. I've done so much for this fucking company. I'm not asking anything for them. I just seriously, I like my job. I, I'm good at what I fucking do, and I'm a great trainer. I've had great coaches, and I'm glad I surrounded myself around people that. I could count on and I thought I could trust and I learned better business. And then, you know what? They'd earn the trust back. Some of it's different. You know what I mean? Like I, I even learned that I was targeted by fucking paradigm. You know what I mean? Like through somebody, you know, if that's the way I want to hit, like, I don't give a fuck. I hope everybody got their money. I hope everybody got paid. 
here I am still fucking holding my finger up saying, fuck you guys. I'm still smiling. Like I said last year, was it two years ago, one year ago? Anything that's changed is everything outside of my fucking walls. I've stayed the same consistent and that's how people can rely on me and that's how this company knows that they can trust me. But don't pull fucking shades over my eyes. You can't. I got shades on already. I can see past that shit. By the way, I do like the new haircut. Is there some symbolism behind it or you just felt like shaving your head? Well, I can't tell you guys everything. Think about this, Earl. If I hold my hands together, right, and I, and I put some space in between my hands and I close them together, you know that you hear that noise? Yep. Right, and I hold them like that. Now imagine I have two people pulling my arms apart, right, in a motion where they're kind of like a tug and war, tug. And everybody's like, Tony, what's your secret? What's all this shit? You know, like, how are you doing everything so different or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's like that, right? We need to blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like looking in my hand, just kind of like look peeking in there and everybody's still looking and they're still pulling my hands apart. And then finally they get my hands apart, barely, right? And then I finally, I say, hold on. And I open my hands and there's fucking nothing there. And then everybody's like, oh, that's it. And then they walk away and they leave. And then what happened? Nothing, because I'm not disgruntled. I'm not, I'm not feeling anything. Before, maybe I, I would feel like a little hurt that they did kind of like look at my thing. It was like nothing. But then I put my fucking hands back together and whatever. They didn't think that was that cool in that space. I'm glad. Because that's all it is all the time. Everybody's always trying to pull my fucking hands apart. Do you know what that's like, Ariel? Mm -mm. And having no privacy, no fucking like no bullshit, like nothing. Can you imagine what it's like to be Conor McGregor? That's the first time I really use his name. All that popularity and all that shit. Everybody wants to work hard for it. But you know what I mean? If you ain't responsible with it, you're going to go to shit. You don't surround yourself around good people. So... All I've been doing is that, Ariel, and, and nothing going to change for me. Can I ask two more questions, Tony? Will you be disappointed if you don't fight again this year? Fuck, I'm going to be doing something. I'm going to be competing. I'm going to be real. So everybody knows, and they've been saying the same shit about my boxing. Fuck you guys. Doubting my boxing, a bunch of casuals. Everybody forgets who came up with the word casuals and hardcore. You know what I mean? You want me to be like Dre? Y'all forget about me? Dre's a motherfucking genius, bro. Like, he's OG, original genius, like Ice Cube said. So it's different, man. It's a, I'm West Coast savvy, bro. Midwest tough, West Coast savvy. So I will be competing. People will see me, like, one way or another, being active. I'm going to be real. So, like I said, I have some cool things coming up. I'm actually going to have a um, – on the 14th, I have brand-new mats coming in from Resolite. So thank you guys very much from the bottom of my heart. And Vayner Sports, simple plug. But I'm going to have a media day before the fight and I'm gonna have a viewing party actually for the 24th so nobody's allowed oh. to private thing but I'm gonna invite media so maybe I have to fly out here actually um to come to the academy and have a full experience you don't have to train but I recommend bringing bringing some shorts and some 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 sneakers and a shirt bro so I mean it's gonna be accessible to the media I have my things up and you know what I mean? It'll be cooler presentations. So we'll keep in contact with Vayner Sports for that. All right. And and Dana White told Sports Illustrated just a couple of days ago that he would try to book you versus Habib for a sixth time. When you read that, did it give you hope that this fight is going to happen? Like, will you feel an emptiness if your career ends at some point in many years and you never get a chance to compete against him? Because he's now starting to talk about retirement and the GSP fight. And so it felt like for a minute there, it might not happen. Will you feel an emptiness and, and, and were you maybe, uh, you know, given some sort of boost, uh, maybe some, okay, this is good news. They're going to try to book it perhaps after this fight against Justin Gaethje, if he wins. I can give a fuck. Dana said he don't chase after fighters. That dude, that dude will say anything, man. He knows he wants to see that fight. I want to be real. Fans want to see the fight too. I wouldn't mind just going out there and having even a grappling match. And then we'll talk to Uncle Chell on that one. I mean, just, just in any aspect to be able just to compete against the world's best to try to put yourself out there and, you know, be humiliated or raise your hand like a fucking champion. That's what, that's what I'm about. It's like a, like a different Bushido type of thing. It's just like, I say the new age Johnny Cage, right? It was kind of funny. Mm. But, in, in, but in relations to fighting and business, like, I like to go out there and compete. Everybody forgets that I used to knock everybody out at 170. So I don't mind. I'm actually in network. I don't mind not hiring I've actually invited UFC fighters to my academy and they're going to be rolling through preparing for some cool shit. I'm not a name dropper and it's all private here. So it's dope as fuck, man. World champions train here. 
You know, I got a kid named Tommy. He's up and coming, and we're getting him ready. So he's one of my sparring partners. Or not even a sparring partner. Like, I got other people in here. It's – you got to understand, Ariel, like, I'm a busy guy. I've been that way for a very long time, and I don't wait on fucking nobody. So Khabib, he can retire. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. I'm not going to hold his hand. You know what I mean? I'll be the foreman as a brother and fucking arms across the mat. But that's all I can say. You know, I exchanged kind words for him and his father. But it's, it's business now. It's back to business. I can't be nice to these guys anymore, Ariel. The last time I was fucking nice, I lost that title shot. Last time I cared for somebody that was like my kin, you know, my American brother, you know, like, you know, feeling for it during the time. I didn't use fucking elbows and all the shit. Hey, nobody even knew I broke my toe. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? I don't bitch a lot, but I do work. So it don't matter, bro. I don't, I, you know me. Mm. It don't matter. I got 170 and I got the frame to go up to 185. So I got batting practice on fucking Thursday with one of my guys. We're going to go out there and I'm, 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 I'm on a strict lifting diet and eating. I eat probably like once a day. The rest is like supplements. So I'm getting fucking cut. So after this, I'll send you a picture. I love it. All right. Well, all the best to you with the gym and uh, with training and everything going on. And hopefully academy, we get to see- Academy. Academy. My apologies. The Academy. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we get to see you back in there before the year is up. Absolutely. I just want to send a quick shout out to RDX Sports. Uh, thank you guys very much for giving me the, <laughs> the quality shit I need to beat the shit out of my guys in, uh, in here in training. Accidentally, uh, and shout out to Tommy. I popped out his rib the other day, so we'll pop it back in, man. So, uh, <laughs> and hey, by the way, hard, Tony, and shout out to you. I, I heard about you doing a great thing for a, uh, a Make-A-Wish uh, youngster, and uh, I heard about you training with him and doing stuff virtually. <laughs> that was really cool, man, so well done. Yeah, he's, he's a good kid, man. So, you know what I mean? It's just uh, you want to train, man, so it's cool as fuck. So it's cool, man. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon, Tony. All right. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, You'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And now let us say hello to the woman who was victorious this past Saturday in Abu Dhabi. What a performance from Holly Holm. Wow. I am still buzzing over what you did. I'm still in awe, just a few days removed, over what you did in the main event, Holly, over uh, Irene Aldana, a dominant one-sided performance. Uh, You looked incredible. Uh, You won all five rounds uh, very convincingly. It was truly an incredible thing to watch, a very entertaining fight. So first things first, congratulations on a phenomenal performance in there. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been, uh, gosh, I guess not a long time coming, but I've I've been putting so much work into everything, you know, the whole game. And um, I keep waiting for one of those fights that all of it's going to come together, you know, and it's not perfect. There's still things I want to work out, work on from the fight, but um, it felt good to get in there and be able to kind of put it to work a little bit of everything that all my coaches, you know, put their time into teaching me. So. So I, I said on Saturday that I felt like that was your best performance in the UFC since the Ronda fight. And I know you've tried to move away from the Ronda fight and, and evolve from there, but that was the most, dominant aggressive spectacular holly home fight that we've seen in my opinion since then am i wrong or do you agree with that sentiment i i think that that is um one of the better performances i've had since then um for a lot of reasons i've learned a lot and then also just letting it go you know just letting it go and believing in what i have learned and what i know and i've always said that any any fight i've had that's been like you know kind of maybe not so 
like a lot of the times I came short, it wasn't because I wasn't coached right. It was because I just didn't perform right, you know, and maybe just kind of putting too many roadblocks. It was, yes, and I've learned since then too. I mean, a lot of it's, you know, I've learned. And so it's all coming in time. You know, I, I really didn't have like a lot of MMA experience uh, even before my fight with Rhonda. You know, I was kind of on a fast track course. My first MMA fight was the first time I trained at all. It was like, well, let's just work on get-ups. And just, it's kind of been evolving since then. So it's not something I, you know, I haven't, I did my boxing career out of the, an MMA gym, but I never learned any of it. Mm. So when I started MMA, I really was fresh to it. Well, it definitely feels like you've come a long way, especially since that fight. But even since your fight in January, and I remember you fought Raquel Pennington on that Conor McGregor card. And mm-hmm. yeah, you won. But, you know, we talked afterwards about some of the boos and, and people saying that you yeah. weren't engaging enough. Was there something about that fight and maybe the criticism that you received in that fight that allowed you to perform like this this past Saturday? Um, maybe in that fight, I felt that I, I knew I could have done more. I, I know I dominated the fight uh, with Raquel. You know, it wasn't a question of who won. I think a lot of people just wanted to see more excitement. Um, I definitely want the fans to be happy, but I also at the end of the day, I'm the one that's going home with a win or a loss and opportunities only open. If, you know, the more you win, the more opportunities open, the more you lose, the, the more the door is shut. So uh, I did feel like maybe I was just a little too reserved rather than just letting it go in my last fight because I know that – uh, there's other things I could have capitalized on. And I thought, you know, I'm not going to let that happen this time. I'm going to uh, just do more from those situations. I'm going to control the fight, but I want to, I want to do more. I want to capitalize, not just uh, control, you know. So. Now be honest with me. You're one of the biggest names in women's MMA, but you do have a, a loss against Amanda Nunez and mm-hmm. she's coming off that big win over Caitlin Vieira. To me, on the outside looking in, this felt like they were trying to use you to propel her into a title yeah. fight against oh. Nunez. You were the stepping stone, the big name, the former champ. I'm sure you recognize that. And if so, did you use that as motivation? Did that piss you off? I'm not going to be a stepping stone. Yeah, I, I actually even, uh, in one of my interviews, I actually said I'm someone's stepping stone. I actually said that. Uh, it's funny that you say that because... I did fair, you know, there's always excitement with new fighters and, and, you know, the new blood that's coming through and she's, you know, I think the only loss she's had, you know, in the last six fights was with Raquel, which a lot of people thought was so close that it could have gone either way. So she's been on a roll and definitely for a reason, she's got the skill, she's got the heart, she's got the belief in herself. And then going up with Vera, who was undefeated and everybody didn't really see that going the way it went and her coming off of a knockout. I definitely think a lot of people were like, Aldana's the new thing. This is exciting. Let's see what's happening. And I'm like, uh, new thing. And then there's, there's, you know, old stubborn. So there's two ways you can look at people who think, Oh, they're young. They're hungry. You're not only hungry when you're young. Mm. I'm, I'm still doing this for a reason. Cause I'm still hungry. You know, I'm, I'm still fighting for it. And I still love victory. I, I hate to lose. I still, if, if I wasn't really wanting so badly to win, I wouldn't be doing this anymore, you know? So it definitely was one of those things I thought, this is definitely a test. Uh, I know that a lot of people are maybe thinking it's going to go one way or hoping it's going to go one way, depending. I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to say that it was a setup or not or whatever, but it definitely was one of those of, hey, let's watch Aldana rise. Let's see her do her thing. So, um, which is all right she she got the attention for a reason she had been doing the work but at the end of the day that's just it's her and I in there and um I definitely wasn't going to let her take advantage of the situation and make it her moment when you started this combat sports journey of yours you know several years ago over a decade ago if I would have told you at the beginning you you would get to 60 fights you would be (laughs) fighting you know into your your very late 30s potentially 40s and (laughs) and you would be like thriving right looking this good arguably your best fight would you have believed me yeah it's crazy to think you know I I honestly um I guess I wouldn't have thought it wouldn't happen because I'm one of those that's like you know anything can happen in life but I definitely didn't think I'd still be fighting I'll be 39 in a couple weeks I definitely did not think I'd be fighting 
And obviously I'm not done in the next year. So I'd definitely think I'd be 40. Yeah. I didn't think that when I was uh, early twenties, I thought, you know, I don't want to be like punch drunk or I don't want to take too many shots. I don't want this to rule my life. Like, you know, I'm going to do this for 10 years. I probably won't want to even be doing this after that because it takes a lot out of you physically, emotionally, mentally, everything. And I thought, you know, like 10 years, which means 30 would have been my max. Right. So I was like, nah, maybe on my like late twenties, I'll be done. In my late twenties, I was thinking no way will I be done. I'm not ready to be done. Like, but 30. And then at 30, I said, you know, really at 35, like I should be, done. I, I felt like maybe I'll be done. Um, thinking maybe I never actually put it on there, but at 35, I thought, gosh, I'm, I felt strong at 35. I felt great at 35. I definitely had a couple, uh, I had, you know, a loss at that point. I think, you know, at 35, I, I was trying to put 2015 is five years ago. That's when you yeah, beat I had had like a couple losses at that point, but, but my losses, even at that point after, you know, losing the belt, I think for me, and actually I was talking with my coach, uh, Mr. Winkle John about it. I think on the flight on the way out there, we were just talking. I said, you know, a lot of people talk about retirement because of my age and, you know, I've had losses here and there. I said, but the difference with my losses are I wasn't like getting dominated in any of them. They were all competitive fights. And I know that in me and I know where I stand and I know I'm ranked at the top for a reason and I know I'm capable. And so it's different. It's not like I'm just like surviving there. Uh, I feel like I'm very competitive there still. And that's why I'm still doing this. If I felt like I was just doing it to participate, then I, I would be done, but I'm not doing it to par participate. I'm doing it to be number one. Hmm. What is it like, you know, I don't know why, but it only kind of hit me watching this fight. Maybe because I, I was focused on it. Um, we're the same age. I'm 38 as well. Turning 39. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, for, were you and class of 2000 or? I was 99. 99. Okay. Cause I'm an old 2000. Okay. So yeah, but same. Yeah. The school system in Quebec is a little different. So I would be 2000 in Albuquerque. It's a long story that no one okay. wants to hear about. But whatever. <laughs> the point is, it's like, I can't imagine people constantly telling me I'm, I feel older now. Like the people I work with, it finally has hit me. Wow. The people I work with, some of them are 24, 25, even younger than that. It only kind of really hit me this year that I'm getting kind of old, you know, I'm getting into my forties yeah. and things like that. But I can't imagine being reminded of that all the time and also being told like you're past your prime or you should look for something else. You should retire. Yeah. The journalists don't have to deal with that. The athletes do. What is that like for someone who was, you know, you, you were superhuman, right? You were on top of the world. No one could touch you. And now every fight, it's the same thing. The same thing. That must drive you nuts, right? I think you answer the questions very professionally and nicely, but deep down inside to be constantly reminded of this as you're about to walk into a cage, does it, does it annoy you? Uh, sometimes I think it's like frustrating that people, but then again, I, I also think, well, if I wasn't someone to talk about, then they wouldn't be talking about anything. Right. They, everybody always has to have something to talk about, but I wouldn't have been in any situation. Uh, you know, I wouldn't have been in a lot of the positions I've been in in my life if I didn't believe in myself and not listen to other people anyway. I mean, I would have never had the belt if I had to listen to what other people thought, you know, they all, you know, I was a big underdog. I can't do this. Um, going to MMA, nobody had done that. You're already 30. You're going to try and make a whole nother career, you know, in a different sport. Like, what are you thinking? And it's like, well, but at the end of the day, I've always said this. And sometimes I have to remind myself of it, but I've said this and I really feel true to this. Uh, I feel like everybody's writing their own story in life because we're all each individually, we're someone different. And I'm the author of my book. I'm not letting other people write my book. I'm the author. I'm going to write my own book. And I think a lot of times, especially now with everything out there, trust me, I love social media, but with that, everybody's always trying to be so comparative in life and, and listening to everybody's opinions all the time. I think even more now than ever before. And it's like, in, in reality, if you really look at it, if you let that affect how you live, what you do, you're letting other people write your story for you. And I want to be the author of my own book. You know, it's like, um, if you get married before 25 years, get married too young. If you get, if you're 30, you should already be married. 
if you're 31, you should probably be starting to have kids. So it's like, so everybody's supposed to meet, meet someone, get married and have kids between 25 and 30. There's a five year span. You can do it all right. Obviously the world's not going to work like that. Everybody's got a different plan in life, a different path. Things fall together in different ways for different people. And so to me, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'll be 39, but okay, I'll be 39. And I'll be 39 still fighting. There's, you know, I think there's fewer women. Uh, I think Marin Renau is older. Um, she's in her mm-hmm. 40s. Yep. Um, but other than that, I'm, I think I'm probably the second oldest as far as competing with the females. But there's quite a few men that have been in their 40s and, doing, and done well. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, who's to say I can't do that? You know, I think a lot of times it's how you take care of your body too. Um, but at the end of the day, it's also my passion. If I still want to do it, then I'm going to do it. And that's, I don't really care what anybody says. And now the weird thing is, in my opinion, you're the second best bantamweight in the world. Dare I say the second best featherweight and bantamweight in the world. Well, still. I appreciate that. Thank you. I mean, and who I'll else is trying. out there? So I, and she, and, and Nunez obviously is fighting 145 in mm-hmm. December, but she doesn't have a 135 title. And I firmly believe they were trying to set up Aldana, which is the thing that they should do. You know, you, you need new contenders, new, new excitement. Yeah. And, and, but what you do know, they do I've about already you fought now? Nunez. A lot of, you know, Jermaine's already fought Nunez. So it's kind of one of those things they're thinking, Oh, this is the next exciting fight. I'm not against them for wanting to do that. Right. But, but now what do they do? Do you think you'll get Nunez next? Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I just, I feel like whatever opportunities open is what I'm going to do. I'm really not like thinking too hard about it. Even with this, this fight, it wasn't like, I always felt like I would probably step in there with uh, Aldana, but I wasn't real sure. But I remember kind of watching her thinking, I, wanna, I, I bet I'll, I bet her and I will face, face each other eventually. You know, I have a lot of respect for her. Um, it's an honor to share share the octagon with her it was a crazy journey going all the way <laughs> i was I, I was talking to uh actually izzy last night and i was like so we've totally like circled the world three times together already uh-huh. i wonder what's going to be next you know so realistically if, if it's not going to be newness next it feels like there's two obvious choices caitlin Vieira or jermaine durandamy uh mm-hmm. those seem like the obvious ones you you never seem to be the uh, the call out type, but do you have a preference? Is there a way you're I leaning? Don't. I don't. I I really haven't um, put my mindset just like on. Oh, this has got to be it because it's like, you know, if it's like if it's Amanda, obviously it'd be later. She already has a fight right. coming up. Um, if I want to be more active, do I do something before? I mean, it's just I don't know. I guess I'll just let it fall into place. Just see okay. how it goes. All right. Um, would you like to fight again in 2020? I thought about it. And actually, um, uh, Lenny called and uh, he's like, Hey, do you want to, you want to get one in again? And I said, you know, I'm actually open to it. I feel really healthy and I don't have any injuries or anything. And I feel good. And, um, I said, but I just also need to process. It's always easy when you're like on a high from a win and you're like, I want to do it again. Then you get back in training again and, and it's the grind and it's, you know, you have that anxiety and the pressure and things like that, um, which I don't mind that either. But I was like, I just need to, you know, I just got home yesterday. I'm just actually just going to take a deep breath and um, who knows, maybe by tonight I'll know. But I just kind of needed to kind of just like really think about it. Like, do I want to jump into a camp like right now? It's totally possible. I'm not against it. I, like I said, I feel good. Um, this fight was already two fight camps Mm. back to back. And so was my last fight. I feel like I've had four fights in the last, not even a year, even though it's only been the two, but I, it's been great because I've been learning. So I was okay with it. A lot of people were, uh, a lot of people were asking, you know, how was it, you know, cause both of those times. So mine, mine, I, I tore my ligament, uh, my hamstring. So, and that was the last week of training. And then I had to postpone the fight with Raquel. And then this fight, it was my opponent. She got COVID. It was literally the last week of training. Uh, I believe they were both like the Tuesday of the last week of training that they both got canceled. Uh, Well, Tuesday was when I hurt my hamstring and I was trying to see if I could get it done. You know, by Friday, it was like, that's when we got the results of the MR and everything. But anyway, 
to make a short story long, like my dad's. <laughs> I feel like it's already been back-to-back -back fight camps, but it was good because I still got to learn. And I just need to, you know, if I want to jump into it or if I just need a, a couple weeks. Because December's quick. Yeah. I'd be right back into it right now. But um, I'm not against it, though. So we'll see. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. And now let us say hello to our next guest. Very excited about this. This man is a true renaissance man. I mean, the, the amount of hats that he wears is truly incredible. Uh, you may know him as an internet personality, as a, uh, a marketing genius, as a guru, as a chairman, as a founder, as a New York Times bestselling author, multiple time bestselling author. Uh, he is the founder and chairman of VaynerX, um, VaynerMedia, Vayner Sports. He is a, uh, a former wine critic. I mean, this guy has done it all. Um, and, and perhaps most important is that he is a diehard New York Jets fan. So let's just get this out of the way. Gary Vaynerchuk, AKA Gary V, also a podcast host. I mean, so many things. I, as a lifelong Buffalo Bills fan, I feel your pain but not this year, my man. I, 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 I'm, I'm enjoying this too much. I'm sorry. You know, I was telling my brother, AJ, who's my partner and really the active, you know, CEO of uh, Vayner Sports, um, which we'll get into in a second. He's 11 years younger than me. And I was explaining to him um, a week ago, I was like, you know, the bills have been bad for so long that deep inside me was the 90s bills who beat us 15 out of 16 times. And I'm the perfect age, I'm 44 all four years of high school, that literally all four, the Bills went to the Super Bowl and beat the living, I mean, Jim Kelly and Reed and Bruce, like the depths of hatred. I mean, the, the Bills were the Patriots for me right. back then. And to watch this working out and to watch in the early stages, Josh's career be much further along than Sam's given the draft situation, you can imagine how salty I am. And I give you some uh, nice words prior to off camera, like, I really, really do appreciate your work. But had I known how deep your Bills fandom went, I was hoping it was a little more casual, but since you're starting the show with it, I'm, I'm uncomfortably salty. Oh, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, you know, I, again, I feel for you guys, but I am enjoying it this year. There's so much that we could talk about. I mean, we... Uh, as someone who loves to interview people, I feel like I could talk to you for four hours, but specifically today, yep. um, wanted to talk to you about your entrance, your entrance, I should say, and, and interest in the world of mixed martial arts. Because around two or so months ago, uh, Vayner Sports announced that they are getting into the MMA business. Now, you, you represent uh, football players, baseball players, uh, esports stars, if you will, but now you're getting into MMA, our little sport here. And you, you hired a very successful agent named Lloyd Pearson, and in doing so, brought uh, the majority of his clients from Balanji Group over to Vayner Sports. Names for those that don't know, like Eddie Alvarez, Tony Ferguson, Curtis Blades, Aljamain Sterling, Chris Weidman, Anthony Smith, the list goes on and on. And very recently, once he joined Vayner Sports, you signed the heavyweight champion of the world, Stipe Miocic. So let me ask you this, and congratulations on that. Thank you. Why MMA? Why did you guys decide that you wanted to get into the MMA business? I grew up a wildly big boxing fan, and I'm not talking just Mike Tyson. I mean, Pernell Whitaker. I mean you know, the Hawk, you know, like I, I was, you know, uh, Julian Jackson, if you want to Google, by the way, everybody's listening, Google, uh, YouTube, Julian Jackson um, uh, highlights like knockouts, like Nigel, Ben, I was nerdy about boxing. I watched the first couple UFCs. I loved them. And then I went into what I would call why the Jets became my favorite team. The years where I literally worked 16 hours a day, and really the Sunday once a week schedule really enabled the Jets to move to the height while all my other sports activities, I'm still crazy, but I mean, literally from 1982 to 1998, I followed everything and anything and knew everything deep because of sports cards, because of video games and because I sucked at school and it's the only thing I cared about. So um, it was fighting 
has always kind of been out there. Now, from the first UFC to 250s, what an evolution. I also am a huge fan of Vince McMahon and Walt Disney from a storytelling standpoint. It's absurd how strong of a creative execution Dana White has done with this organization. Um, just the storytelling, the building up of the individuals. And so, you know, for about seven or eight years, maybe nine years, it was, you know, I even smiled. I don't know how much of this is video, how much is this is audio, when you said our small sport. In my mind, 15 years from this second, basketball, soccer, aka football, and UFC are the three biggest sports in the world. And so for me, it's not so little. Hmm. Comma, we start Vayner Sports. Football is our deepest passion. I want to buy the New York Jets. So I wanted to learn the business inside out. My brother got tired and has Crohn's disease and just wasn't feeling great and just didn't love Vayner Media clients, all this. We love sports. He decided to go follow that passion. We start Vayner Sports. We do football. And we debate, do we stay in football forever? Do we stay deep? Do this and that. And, and then we had an opportunity to do baseball with Greg Gensky in a real meaningful way. The opportunity there with guaranteed contracts, 5%. It was a better business than football. Football's the worst of them all. And so we kind of decided to go there. Once that happened, it was like, okay, we're now not just gonna be football for the rest of our lives. And, and, and UFC was very at the top of the list for a couple of reasons. One, what I said earlier, my belief of where this is over the next rest of my life. Two, I like it. I like it. You want to like what you're in. Um, and, and three, we felt that there was a lot. I was blown away by what the top 50 people were doing in marketing outside the octagon. I just couldn't believe how small the deals in marketing were, that you had real champions, people with real social media audiences doing supplements and CBD, like just doing deals that literally like I would have been able to get more for a person with 5,000 TikTok followers. So I'm like, wow, what a, what a tough sport. Luckily, unlike other sports, like you can lose and come back. So there's some fun dynamics of longevity. But man, these individuals, these men and women are much more culturally relevant. Are one, you know, a lot of them because of my content were fans of me and I would interact with them on DM, cheering that for them, saying nice things. And I would, you know, you get to know them. And I'm like, look at how great of a father this guy is, you know, a mother, like they're so interesting. And so it was like, wow, I don't think from a management standpoint, there's only so much leverage. You know, when this got announced, I was laughing because I read everything. Mm. And everyone's like, all right, well, let's see what the fake Gary, wait, just wait till Gary V realizes he's gonna have to negotiate with somebody real like Dana. And then people would defend me, my fans, and I was laughing. I was like, look, this is an organization that the contract negotiations are different than they are in other sports. And I recognize that. I, however, feel, to your point, we did our homework. We got very fortunate, I believe, to get the guy we wanted in Lloyd to, you know, so I think, I think we have an unbelievably thoughtful agent manager. And then what I think I can do off the octagon, as I would call it, outside the ring, is so extreme. And then who I think I am as a human and what I may mean for those individuals. And just like in everything I do, I don't mind how it starts because with the kind of personality I have, even before anybody knew who I was, and definitely now with people knowing who I am, I understand that people may consume me hot or cold. He's a douche or he's good. I just know that over 20 years of doing the right thing, being a good person, doing the right stuff, having talent, putting in the ridiculously hard work, that those usually become 90-10, not 50-50 as they tend to start out. And I'm excited to put in the work. I don't think I'm a big shot. I don't, get, I don't, think, I don't give a shit about all my success outside of this. I come in here with humility, patience. We have a head start because of Lloyd. You know, we learned on the job with football. We're further along in UFC than we are in football because we decided we wanna really learn on the job the first time. And now we're, we know that we wanna team up with, you know, that's, I mean, look what happens. Lloyd is a player, but you, you know, Stevie's a big deal. And that happens because of me and him and AJ. You know what I mean? And so um, I'm very excited and humbled and like literally I'm like salivating to go to the fights, like literally like 15 times in the last 100 days or dreaming up the weekends in Vegas and being nervous and like, and that's the other thing. Because of the thing that really, really is most difficult for me is I love my things. I root for my things. 
when the Jets lose, I'm genuinely fucked up and sad. This sport's worse. I'm gonna love these human beings. It's a singular human being. And a lot of times when they lose in this sport, it's shocking, devastating, and abrupt, and fucking hurts. And so I'm really kind of trying to mentally prepare. I mean, Corey fights this weekend, right? And I'm scared shitless. Like I'm fucking, like I've got, like, I don't know. I don't know, like I'm gonna, just, I'm gonna, butterflies, you know, like, like I get butterflies for big fights, you know, all the time. Like now it's our guys. I'm, I'm really excited emotionally and I'm excited to really help these individuals. And to be frank, I'm excited to help these individuals. A lot of these guys and girls, what I'm gonna do for them post-retirement is where I think I can really make an impact. And then in 15 years, once everybody understands that once you're with Vayner, you're always with Vayner and we're good people, not just treating you like a piece of meat, next man, woman up. I think we'll build the biggest firm in the world in this sport, I really do. So I've equated the, the era that we're watching now in, in mixed martial arts and specifically the UFC to the leather helmet days of the NFL. And I, I know that you understand that uh, analogy. The sport has a long ways to go in terms of evolution, what the fighters make, everything. I mean, we're still only 26, 27 years into the UFC. So uh, there's a long ways to go. And I think in 30, 40 years, it will change dramatically. Why do you think though, like when you say that you look around at the fighter and the way they're being marketed, and I'm sure part of that is pay as well. Why do you think we're at where we are right now? Why hasn't it evolved more? and why don't they make more in terms of marketing and fighter pay? Because it's 27 years in. Mm. You uncomfortably nailed it. Even though we're living in 2020. Brother, Super Bowl I didn't sell out. The 1982 NBA Finals was on tape delay in America. I mean, we're five seconds away from this sport being in the news every day about states banning. Mm. Uh, It's just a matter of time. And oh, by the way, I'm sure the guys that fought in UFC 7 are super pissed with how much the guys are getting paid now, right? Like, like every generation envies the next one. I mean, there are literally guys on the bench in the NBA that make more in a season, literally man number nine, than Hall of Famers from the 60s made in their careers. Hmm. And I believe that the, you know, the biggest fighters in the world, you know, the, the Bones Joneses and, and, and you know, Connors and Rondas and who, uh, of 12 years from now are going to make more in one fight than their counterparts that we know today made in their careers. Have it's evolution. Ever, have you ever met Dana White? You know, I met Dana White quickly once in a meeting where William Morris, um, after the acquisition, was we, my agency, my marketing agency. Some executives there introduced us to the marketing team at UFC to potentially do some work on the social digital side, which, you know, to UFC's credit, and hence why so much has worked, they're much more progressive than a lot of other people. But, you know, much like I think what UFC does in their arena, they're the best in the world. I believe I and VaynerMedia are the best in the world when it comes to digital and social marketing. So he he joined that meeting 25% in, and it was a great meeting. I think he was straightforward. He He had his bravado and confidence the way I do as well. And we, we chopped it up and um, it didn't lead to us doing business together for a magnitude of different reasons, but I enjoyed it because I thought it was fair and firm. You know, there's an old ref in boxing, I'm fair and I'm firm. And, um, and I thought that's what that was as well. And so obviously I'm gonna get the opportunity through the next decade to get to know him and I'm looking forward to that. I'm just curious when this news came out, did you hear from him? I mean, obviously he knows who you are. Did you, did you get a text, a, a welcome to the sport, to the family, anything of that nature? No, but you know what's funny? I don't make assumptions that people know who I am. Like it was, that like even felt weird to hear you say that. Like I'm mm. still in my own process of realizing I'm aware how much of an audience I have, but I think, I think it's douchey to assume that people know. And I would be, a, I would believe that it's, by the way, this is a good answer in the reverse. I surely know who Dana is, right? but I don't know Dana. And so like, and I really don't wanna know Dana through the eyes of people outside of somebody I really know who really knows him. And so, you know, you know what's interesting? Much to Lloyd's credit, and then we quickly navigated on the heavyweight champ, I'm proud of where we are in representation right now, but I'll be frank with you. It's similar to what I'm about to say, this quick story. I have still never had a conversation with Woody Johnson or Chris Johnson, and I've put out 
15 years of propaganda that I'm gonna buy the New York Jets. I have no interest in wasting their time. And I've, we've worked with the Jets for four years in marketing. I know all the presidents of the Jets. I talk to the Jets organization on a weekly basis for marketing and help and like, like I'm in there and I've never in, in, I've had season tickets for 15 years. I've never had a single, I've been in the same room 20 times. I've never had a single hello conversation with the Johnsons. And in a weird way, when you asked that, I thought the same thing with Dana. Like, I can tell you right now, until you just mentioned it, it did not even fucking cross my mind to expect or want. Like, I feel like I'm a rookie, rookie, rookie in this world. I know Lloyd knows him, they talk, and that's, that's what it's, I don't feel like I deserve anything. I think he's plenty busy doing his thing. And so, um, that's how my brain thinks about it. You know what I mean? No, no, I respect that 100%. Um, I would imagine it. And, and when you guys announced that you were coming over, I went on your Instagram and I wanted to try to see like how many fighters are liking your posts and who follow you and whatnot. And I'm wondering, right now you, you rep, as far as fighters are concerned, around 25 or so. That's what I was told. That, that's uh, a, right. a, what's, what's a good number for you? Like, are you content with 25? Or are you hoping to do, you know, have 50 guys or 100, et cetera? And I, B... Yep. Um, when you came over, what was the reaction? Like, did you get a lot of fighters who said, hey, yeah. uh, I'm a huge fan. Can you work I'll with tell me? You, I'll tell you where I'm really, fu- yes. I'm, a, I'm really fucked up because I, um, I am more educated on who reps who, and I'm still really undereducated, but I'm aware, I, I've interact, here's the right way to say it. I interacted and have a lot more interactions with UFC fighters than either sport that we've entered prior to. So mm. now I've got this weird thing where I feel like I'm friendly or at least solid acquaintances and we shoot the shit on DM with a bunch of people. And now I've almost been hesitant to say hello because now I'm like, oh fuck. Now that I'm in this, does Israel think that I'm you know, trying to get him and I'm not, and more importantly, I have a good feeling that most that have interacted with me don't feel that I'm doing that, but I have a lot of empathy and sympathy and compassion to their management thinking that. Mm-hmm. And so it's handcuffed me a little bit. There were definitely some youngster, youngster, youngster guys that hit me up or like people that are a little disgruntled with the representation. 25 is a lot. You know, we're, we're gonna have to, like I'd like to build up. I'm really gonna follow Lloyd's. Like I'm gonna be the greatest engine for Lloyd, not Lloyd's boss. So I'm, Lloyd's calibrating all the opportunities with us because a lot has changed and he feels it, which is great. So he's happy. Um, I want to represent as many people that we can actually represent. And, and if that means we build a huge organization and we have great people in every sector and we can manage 63, mazel tov. If we need to be nine, then that's fine too. Um, and, and as I'm learning the business, there's a different level of servicing needs. So you're gonna have your level of the people that you think are prospects. Some guys are gonna get hurt, disinterested, not be good. Some gals may go on and explode overnight with a huge upset. So there's a lot to think through. I'm still calibrating and learning. That's how I think about that. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like running through a wall at this point. I mean, Gary Vee, what energy, what insight. Incredible. So charismatic. Very curious to see what he does in the sport of MMA. So overall, a very fun show. Appreciate all our guests, Tony Ferguson, Holly Holm, Gary V. If you want those, a couple of them are a little bit trimmed up, but if you want the full interviews, go to the ESPN MMA YouTube channel right now. I also have a new interview with Corey Sanhagen, who fights Marlon Moraes in a very important fight this Saturday on ESPN+. Plus. Prelims start at 5 p.m. Eastern, main card at 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, big stakes attached to that one. I don't think the number one contender will come out of that fight. I think it should be Aljamain Sterling, but things are a little wacky right now. So we'll see what happens there. Speaking of wacky, UFC 256 doesn't have a main event. Uh, reported on Monday that Kamar Usman is out, needs a little more time. 
So the Gilbert Burns fight has been postponed to probably January or February. Will it be Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier? Five years to the day of his uh, great win over Jose Aldo, December 12th, 2015 in Las Vegas. And then we return five years later. Could be an amazing way to end the year. Uh, they've talked to Stipe Miocic to fight Francis Ngannou. Not looking like it's going to happen. They talked to Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal. Still a possibility, but a long shot. You got to figure out a way to get Connor on that card. This was supposed to be the season, three fights at minimum. Figure out a way to end it on the right note. We also found out that Cody Garbrandt is out of the uh, 255 main event against Davison Figueredo. Alex Perez is in. Do you add a title fight to that card to beef it up? I think so. Maybe you add Peter Yan, Piotr Yan, I should say, against Aljamain Sterling. There's a lot of moving parts, but right now the UFC has a lot of options. An embarrassment of riches with all these big fights, all these big names, Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, uh, Francis Ngannou, Stipe Miocic, John Jones, Israel Adesanya, who are probably tweeting at each other as we speak. A lot of big fights could be made right now. Let's make them. That's what I say. And also, I say, can you rate, download, subscribe, and review to this podcast feed? I would appreciate it. DC would appreciate it. We would all appreciate it because it goes a long way. I don't like to beg. I don't like to, you know, ask for favors. But it's one small, I mean, it's like a click and it goes a long way. So anyway, if you could do that for me, I would appreciate it. For now, though, I'm out of time. Again, thank you very much to all our guests. Thank you to TST. Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to all of you. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Back next week, same time and place. Tell us, hey, peace. I'm out of here.